0: Hey G12 family, welcome to our podcast. We are so excited to have you here. We know this message will draw you closer to God's word, His will, and His way wherever you are. Enjoy the message. So I want to talk to you today about the Second Mile Club. What's today's message? The Second Mile Club. So what does that mean? I have no idea. Okay. So I'm going to start by telling you about Truett Cathy. Trey Cathy, right here. You see his picture. He's the founder of Chick Fil A. Who loves Chick Fil A? Woohoo! Popeyes. I'm. <laughs> Woo. So Chick Fil A, um, he founded it in 1946, and he was super excited about it. And he founded it with his brother Ben, with both of his brothers. I mean, it was just one of his brothers. But then a few years later, both of his brothers went out because they were licensed pilots on a small plane. And they actually lost their lives on that single ride. So that was really, really hard for him. And he decided to just give his best for God. And he decided to be a devoted Christian. He said, I'm going to stand out by my priorities. And look at what he says. Right then, right here, it says, I think I'd like to be remembered as one who kept my priorities in order. Can you repeat that when I count to three? One, two, three. That was his mission in life. Someone who kept his priorities in order. It wasn't about making money it wasn't about standing out. It was about having his priorities in order. And his heart was always for helping people. Actually, if you wanna look, uh, I just saw a video from him that's called Remembering Truett Cathy. And it was really inspiring because he was always about giving, always about giving to others. And as you know, Chick-fil-A is like the most profitable fast food restaurant in the country. Even even more than McDonald's, Burger King for four years in a row. And they close on Sundays. Can you believe that? They close on Sundays. The reason they close on Sundays is because the founder, ever since he founded it, he's like, I want people to be able to go to church. I want people to be able to go and worship and have one day off and they have something else that is called the second mile service which is based on matthew five forty one, that it says if anyone forces to you go, forces you to go one mile go with them two miles so they teach this to their employees they call them team members and they're like we're gonna go above and beyond for our customers we're gonna give it all and, and Truett would, would actually tell his employees, when a customer comes through those doors, you're going to treat everyone as if they were the president. Because you're going to make everyone feel so special. And this is amazing. And this is how the second mile service started with them. Now, when you look at Nehemiah, he had the same job, basically. Do you remember we're still studying Nehemiah? woo You're like, still? Yeah, we're like in chapter 4. I mean, chapter 5 now. 4 or 5. We still have a few chapters left. But as you remember, he had a vision. He had a concern. That concern turned into a vision, which was to build a wall. And also, he was able to have God's favor, and he was able to have the king's favor. So now, when you read chapter 4... They were already building the wall. They were like halfway done. And look at what it says right here. It says, Nehemiah 4.6, We kept at it, repairing and rebuilding the wall. The whole wall was soon joined together and halfway to its intended height because the people had a heart for the work. Amazing. Look, that they were halfway on the wall. This was a project... That as we were studying, it was a hundred years that no one was able to repair. And here he comes, and after a few days, it's like halfway through the whole job done. He was halfway through. And it says, Because the people had a heart for the work. Can you repeat that this? Because the people had a heart for the job. And this is amazing. They had one heart. They had one vision. They had one purpose. They were all together. So basically, Nehemiah and Donald Trump had the same vision build the wall. Build that wall. <laughs> Random. <laughs> so that you remember, it's build the wall. <laughs> build the wall. Terp is next to you, build the wall. Nehemiah had a compelling vision, which was to build the wall so we can become a nation again. Because what is a nation with no walls? Like everyone's going to mock that nation. It's going to be totally unprotected. But he was there like, hey, we're going to finish this job and no one's going to stop us. As a testimony, personal testimony, you know, I was born in church. My parents are pastors as well. I've always had a passion for God, but I always thought like God wants, just wants me, just wants to use me in music. That's what I've done for a long time. As you can see in this picture. I've, I've always loved music and I thought like maybe just, that was my passion, like writing songs, putting songs together. And, um, you know, I've done it for a long time, raising worship leaders, which I still do, and I love that. And I, but I would always tell other people, you guys lead, you guys are the ones who are going to uh, pastor, and I'm going to be focused more and more in music, which was music for God as well. But then when I started also leading cell groups, leading these small groups, and seeing that lives were changed, I was like, Wow this is amazing i love being a leader and this is what god's called us to do and this was nehemiah's job as well like he had to tell his people you guys are the leaders of this next generation you guys are gonna help me finish this and a lot of times a lot of them were not in construction they had no idea how to build anything but nehemiah believed in them and I have a daily declaration that I'm sure we we gave you guys one time a few months ago. And I just want to show it to you, one phrase that I repeat every day. And I want you to say it with me. Are you ready? One, two, three. God called me to believe in people, see the best in them, and to raise leaders. I repeat that every day. And something that I love about this is that phrase that you, that you say, I believe in people. Maybe you've had bad experiences. Maybe you've had experiences where people have let you down. But not everyone is going to be like that. Because you're going to be called to believe in them. And you're called to see the best in them. If you're always expecting the best from people, what are you usually going to get? The best. But if you're usually expecting the worst... What are you going to get? The worst. So this is a daily declaration that I say every day, and I'm always expecting the best in people. And one of our values that we have as a church is, I am a leader. It is not something I do. It is who I am. Let's, re- let's repeat it. Ready? One, two, three. I am a leader. It is not something I do. It is who I am. So our vision for you, for all of you guys as a church, what is a vision? It's for you to become a leader. Tell the person next to you, for you to become a leader. But you might say, me, me, what What do I, what do I have? Do I have anything special? Yes, you. Tell the other person next to you, yes, you. Yes, you you are called to be a leader. This is the vision for our church. My dad when he first started the church in Colombia, that was his vision. I'm going to have a church of leaders. I'm not going to have a church of members, but I'm going to have a church of leaders. And that same vision is for here. You are called to be a leader. You are called To succeed, you are called to believe in people, to see the best in them, and God is going to use you. Can you believe that? Say, I believe it. Now, something that I love about leadership is that leaders are born in a time of need. As I told you, Nehemiah had a good position. He was a king and a cupbearer for the king, and he didn't need anything. He didn't need a position of leadership, but he had this concern someone has to take care of those people in Jerusalem. These people are constantly being attacked. So that's how he became a leader. We can see, for example, King David. You can see this picture right here. He was born as a leader, or he became a leader when this happened. They said, who's gonna face Goliath? Who's gonna Defeat this king not he wasn't a king, but he was like I'm gonna whoever comes and fights against me Then all of your people are gonna come and serve me So imagine he was like a giant and this was a shepherd boy who had like no experience He was just taking care of his sheep, but he said I'm gonna do it I'm gonna fight the giant so he became a leader In that time of need he became a leader in that time that somebody needed to rise up and say I'll do it I'll go fight Goliath I'm gonna do it so leaders become leaders usually in a time of need and leaders are usually seen as leaders when they are the first to act Are you a leader who is willing to go the second mile? Are you a leader who's able to act? And how did King David become a leader? Because he had courage. Say with me, courage. So a lot of times more than talent, you need courage. You need courage to stand out. Nehemiah was seen as a leader when he spoke to the king. He worked on a plan, and he was able to cast vision to the people. So when do you need courage? For example, when your friends invite you to go out, and you know they're not Christian friends, and you know you're going to go out, and you're not going to do Christian things, and you have to be able to say no. You need courage to say no. If you are one of your co-workers invites you, and she's not your wife, Oh, let's go out for lunch. Let's go and meet together for work. But you have a principle. I'm not going to go out alone with someone who's not my wife or my husband. You need that courage to say no, to stand out because you have principles. And God is going to see you as that person who's morally correct, who's not afraid to say no. If you're in school and your friend says, hey, okay, let's go out and smoke this. Here, try this. What are you going to say? No. To a person next to you, no. If you find yourself in the dilemma, should I go to this party or should I go to church? You're going to say no to that party. You don't have to be politically correct. You have to stay true to what the Word of God says. And you can go against the flow. You know, Chick-fil-A has had the courage to say no to a lot of things. They still defend a family between a man and a woman, and they're not afraid of it. They're constantly being attacked, but they have that courage to say truth to the Word of God. So how do we run that second mile? What kind of second mile do we need to run? It's one of the first things that Nehemiah did was that he when when they were halfway through, then the people that were their enemies came mocking at them, and they were like, "You guys are not gonna finish. You guys, this is impossible. How can you gonna How can you finish this? This is not from God." And they came attacking them, and they even threatened them with death. It's like, "We're gonna go and we're gonna kill you." And they were like attacking them with all these things so that they would get distracted, so that they would get afraid, so that they would say, man, yeah, we need to do something because they're going to come and kill us and destroy us, and we're not going to be able to finish. But look at what Nehemiah did. It says in verse 9, it says, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. So after this threat came, hey, if you guys keep building that wall, we're going to kill you. Imagine that wasn't like just any kind of threat. That was a really harsh threat. If you guys keep working on this wall, because they were like seeing progress, they were seeing that they were halfway like done. They were like, if you keep working on this, we're going to kill you. You know, what would you have done with this? What would you have done if people come attacking you? But Nehemiah said, we're going to pray. We're going to pray because God has told us that we need to finish this wall. And we prayed and we posted a guard day and night. So what kind of Christian are you? Are you a Christian who is willing to pray? Are you a Christian who is willing to become a warrior? Because there are spiritual threats against you. And many Christians just want to be entertained. Maybe you ask yourself, what will the church give me today? But very few people want to pay the price in prayer. We are constantly fighting a spiritual battle. And just as Nehemiah, he told the people, you're going to take the weapons. You're going to take the sword of God. You're going to take that, like the, all the, op, the weapons that, we're, that we can take, like the shield, the sword, and we're going to fight. Because this is a battle in the spiritual world. Just like Nehemiah said that, you're going to be that prayer warrior. God wants you to stand up in prayer. Look, if you're able to become a prayer warrior, you're going to be able to conquer anything. And maybe today you're going through a spiritual battle. Maybe there's threats that have been coming against you, threats of sickness, threats against your finances, threats against your marriage. And you're like, God, what do I have? And just like Nehemiah, you're going to say, we're going to pray and we're going to put a guard day and night. And it's a constant prayer. It's a prayer that is not just like a one-minute prayer. It's a prayer where you go on your knees. It's a prayer where you see that, God, you send your angels to protect me. And these weapons, these attacks are not going to be able to come against me. Because just like Nehemiah, we're going to stand up and we're going to pray. And we have a great weapon, which is the blood of Jesus You know, when the Bible says and speaks about the sword, it speaks about the Word of God. That's what it means. But we have another weapon, which is is the blood of Jesus. And if you're able to understand this weapon of the blood of Jesus, nothing is going to come against you. You know, Jesus, he shed his blood seven times. Seven times he shed his blood for us. And each, in each one of those settings, there is salvation for us. In each one of those settings, there is conquest. So our pastor, he has a great book that's called Just One Drop of His Blood. And if you're able to read it and to pray every day with that book, you're going to start to see victory. Because this is what the Word of God says. Look, Second Chronicles 2015 it says this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid, don't be discouraged by this mighty armor army for the battle is not yours but God's. So I don't know what you're going through but this is what God is telling you today. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Because if you're able to become a prayer warrior, you can win your battles in the spiritual world. And this is what the Lord says. The battle is not yours, but it is God's. Can you believe that? Can you believe that today? And can you say, it is your battle. It is not my battle, God. And you're going to fight for me. Look, I don't want us to be just second class Christians. I want us to be first-class Christians, the Christians who can really understand the spiritual world, because this is what the Bible says, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities of this world. So if you're able to understand that you can win this battle... And you can fight the enemy with the shedding of the blood of Jesus you're gonna see a victory in your life you're gonna see a victory in your life but God wants you to become a prayer warrior and you know here in church we're interceding every Saturday at 6 a.m. tell a person next to you I want to see you in intercession I want to see you in intercession and you're saying wow 6 a.m. on a Saturday yeah we pray for two hours in this place in one of the rooms we have our English intercession there and the Spanish intercession here but that's how you become a prayer warrior how do you become a prayer warrior? by praying tell the person next to you by praying by praying there's no other way you can become a prayer warrior you need to become a prayer warrior by praying by coming to the intercession by being on your knees every day by maybe waking up earlier and taking some time to be with God and saying God I don't know how to pray but I'm gonna start reading the Bible and I'm gonna start reading this book of the sheddings of the blood and I'm gonna start just doing it by faith and as you're able to do it you're gonna start seeing some victories in your life and just like Nehemiah he's like okay we don't know anything about the war. We're not warriors, but we're going to finish this war. We're going to finish this war. And that's where they were all 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 in. And you know what else? We're going to go second mile on God's work. It says Nehemiah 4:16 and 17. It says from that day on Half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. So they had to be doing something. They had to be warriors, but they also had to be finishing the work. And it says that half of the people were working and the other half were protecting the wall. So this means that, you know, we're prayer warriors, but also we gotta become great warriors in God's work. We, there's a lot of work to be done. And Nehemiah was like, okay, this is a distraction. This came against us, but we're gonna finish this work. We're gonna finish this wall. And maybe you're thinking, God, what do I need to do in order to finish my work for you? Do you really want to use me? Do you really want to, for me to become a leader? Do you really want me to bring other people to Christ? And God is saying, yes. Look, I love the book of Acts. When we read in Acts 5, the story of Peter and the apostles, it says that they were sent to jail for preaching the gospel. If you, you know, the book of Acts is my favorite book in the Bible because that's how the church started. You know, the first church is the church of Acts. And in this book of Acts, Peter and, and the apostles were so happy. And they were like, yes. We get to preach the gospel. And when they're preaching the gospel, this was against the law. So they were sent to jail. But that while they were in jail, you know what happened? An angel of the Lord came and opened the gates. And they were able to escape. They were not in jail anymore. And the angel says, you still need to go preach to the temple in Jerusalem because a lot of people need to hear your message. Imagine that. They were in jail for preaching the gospel, but the angel of the Lord tells them, you still need to preach more. You still need to preach in the temple. What did that mean? That they were probably going to put in jail again and be punished even heavier, right? But they were so happy about it. And they were like, yes, we're going to go. We're going to go preach the gospel. And this is so cool because after they preached the gospel, right there, they were flogged. And look at what it says in Acts 5, 40, 41. It says, They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering, disgrace for the name. Can you believe that? They were just preaching the gospel, they weren't doing anything wrong. They were sent to jail. And after they're sent to jail, they preached again in the temple, in the courts. And after they preached, these people, the authorities were like, okay, now we're gonna have you flogged because this is against the law. And after they had them flogged, just for preaching the gospel, I love this part, it says, the apostles, if you read verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Can you say with me, rejoicing? Say one more time, rejoicing. Because they have been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. They have been counted worthy for suffering disgrace for the name. Why don't you stand today? And maybe what kind of second mile are you willing to go? These apostles, they were all in. Look, they had just been with Jesus. And Jesus simply just told them, go and make disciples and preach the word of God. He didn't tell them how. He didn't tell them how much they had to suffer. But they had a crest, such a great passion in their hearts to spread this message. And perhaps you're thinking... I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to tell my friends about Jesus. They might laugh at me. They might say I'm old school. What do you have to lose? But the disciples, the apostles, were willing to give their whole lives for the work of God. This is amazing. Because they said, we're willing to give our lives. And if you read the book of Acts, many of them did end up giving their lives so we can have the Bible today so we can know what actually happened because they had a passion in their hearts for God to spread his word so maybe you've been coming here for many years or for many months so I want to ask you are you a second mile runner are you a second mile Christian are you willing to go that extra mile for the Word of God or are you simply someone who just wants to come and hear the Word of God what kind of Christian are you do you want to take the easy route you know there's no easy way in order for you to succeed you need to have a life of discipline you need to have a life of prayer you need to have a life of reading the Bible you need to have your priorities in order you need to be a prayer warrior you need to be a courageous leader you need to be able to go the extra mile are you a Christian who wants to be entertained or do you want to be that all in type of Christian what kind of Christian do you want to be today I ask you just what are they gonna give me today or do you want to say I'm gonna give my all for this cost because I believe in the cost of Jesus Christ. I believe in the price that he paid for me. That's a Christian I want to become. Thanks so much for tuning in. Before you go, make sure to click the follow button so you never miss what's new. We would love to connect with you. You can follow us on Instagram at G12Church and share with us how this message has impacted you. Until next time.